If you're looking for a fun project or a well-built, high-quality chicken coop, look no further than Cutest Coops, specifically the coop we both have, which is the Charming Coop. The Charming Coop is their smallest coop option and has been engineered to have the easiest assembly on the market, only taking one to two people to put together. This coop arrives unassembled and unpainted, but is pre-primed and ready to go. The Charming Coop offers a spacious interior, high-quality, weather-resistant materials, and comes with a signature clean-out-the-coop door that allows for easy cleaning. It's perfect for getting started with a small flock of chickens. So check them out at cutestcoops.com and use code COOPINFARM to get $100 off your coop. And those Charming Coops are currently in stock, which means you don't have to wait. Hooray! Woohoo! Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Well, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey, Bev. You didn't make any noise today, so I wasn't even sure if you were there. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So what are you drinking? So I'm having four shots of espresso (laughs) with some goat's milk and homemade whipped cream and a little sugar, and it is quite delightful. I am drinking it out of our Your Ass is Enough mug because I needed that reminder today because if I did not have four shots of espresso right now, I would be sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I drank my coffee earlier in the day out of that mug too, so I needed the same reminder. Mm. So what'd you open over there? So today I'm drinking a Leinenkugel Spritzen, which is a grapefruit Mm. beer with a splash of seltzer. So it's like their um, summer edition of stuff, but a little seltzery. <laughs> it sounds delicious. It's very good. Um, last Friday, I had some work friends come over that I hadn't physically seen since March. So uh, that was really fun. And one of the guys, he's moving to Madison, Wisconsin at the end of the month. So he had a bunch of beer that he just left here because he's no longer in his apartment. <laughs> And he's living at his mom's (laughs) house until he moves. So that was one of the things he left. And he didn't like the grapefruit. And I was happy to take it off his hands. Mm, Grapefruit beer is one of my favorites. Uh Our drink peep this episode is our friend Natalie Quist, which is at Cloud Lover Fiber over on the Instagram. So cheers, Natalie. Cheers. So I've got a tiny pre-episode thing to announce and share with everybody because uh, I got the opportunity to talk to the casting agent for that TV show, Love is Blind. (laughs) (laughs) But how, okay, first of all, how did, how did that happen? She sent me an Instagram message. So does that make you an Instagram model if you don't have like a producer like reaching out to you? I don't know. Well, I think she was asking me. I think she's just like, I think she probably sent messages to a bunch of people. Um, But I was intrigued and I told her that I would chat with her because she said that what they're looking for for their newest show is for farmers 
that are dating someone that lives in the city or is from the city and has just moved to their farm. So they're creating a show where one person has a farm and the other person is like totally new to this farm lifestyle. So I think it sounds kind of fun, um, but they need more people in the pool to cast from. So they were reaching out to me to find out if that was what was going on here. And I was like, (laughs) nope, I am married. And we've been here for a few years now. We are from the city, but no, I don't I don't know that this would make good TV. (laughs) (laughs) It might make good TV, just not not in the context that they would like. Yes, not in the context they would like. So I told her that I would talk about it on our show today so that if any of our listeners are in a situation like that, uh, you can send us an email over at drinkandfarm at gmail.com and I'll send over all the casting info so that you can get a hold of this person that I got to talk to on the phone. So she was very pleasant. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous you got to talk to her because Love is Blind is such good hot garbage reality TV. Like it got me through like the first month of quarantine. So when you said that, I I kind of chuckled, but I was also a little jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, uh, my co-host is going to be super jealous that I got to talk to you. But I was so intrigued by it. I'm like, if this lady wants to set an appointment with me to like chat, I kind of just want to chat with her. Just (laughs) To do Just it. to see. <laughs> what is this like? <laughs> exactly. So it's a super interesting concept. I guess they're coming up with all sorts of neat, like, reality TV shows. And we did talk about that show, uh, Farmer Wants a Wife. So, oh. so I was like, hey, we just talked about this on our podcast. So it like kind of ties into that too, I suppose. But it'd be neat if one of our listeners got to be on the show. So yeah, that'd be so cool. All right. And before we dive into this week's episode, we do want to visit our Henny and Rue corner because we got our August boxes. Yay! So, Bev, what was your favorite thing in the August Henny and Rue box? So my favorite thing is the lanolin Agtval soap. Mm. I actually buy this soap by the case. Because oh. it showed up in a Henny and Rue box, gosh, I don't know, a year ago, a year and a half ago. I don't remember. But this is this is another repeat item, but it is a repeat item that I love. And I'm so excited that we got another one, even though I already have a case of it, because I like it that much. And my kids use it, too. It's the, fa- it's the soap that I use to wash my face. And it's like the only soap that I like to use on my face. I use a couple of handmade soaps from um, friends and Instagram friends and stuff that I like as well. But there's something about these. I can't describe it. They're just they're it's so good. good. Yeah, I was super yeah. excited to see it too, because I haven't had it in a few months because I ran out of the last mm. one. Um, But yeah, and I I'm weird. I like wash my face with a variety of different things depending on if I'm in the shower or taking a bath (laughs) oh like different masks um or if I'm exfoliating or trying to do like a calming thing so this is a good (laughs) one to have like when I just need to wash my face and don't feel fancy about it but it's still kind of a fancy soap at the same time I mean it's Swedish (laughs) I was just gonna say it's Swedish and it has eggs in it so it's totally fancy (laughs) (laughs) So what was your favorite thing out of the box? 
So I really liked that we got two treats this month. Um, we got a fantastic mm. jumbo chicken treat and a chubby mealworms. Um, because I don't know, my chickens like to be all up in my business when I'm doing chores. And sometimes I just need to throw something on the ground for them to like distract them. And I hate like dumping out a full bag of grublies to do that (laughs) for some reason. I don't know. I feel like, like grublies are the Don Perignon of, you know, treats. So sometimes I, I like to mix it up and not just throw the grublies in the air all the time so they can truly appreciate that. Um, and and variety is the spice of life. So it, it kind of is the best of both worlds because they get something a little different and I get to save the grublies for a more special occasion. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we also got a bottle of Scalex Might and Life Spray and I have had to use this before and it works really well. Mm. And we also got Espoma Sani Care Hardwood Bedding, which is one of my favorite things to use, especially in this size in some of my smaller coops. Um, it's an all-natural bedding with no added chemicals, and it's extremely absorbent and reduces coop odors. So this is cute little sample size for my smaller coops. Um, so I always love getting this stuff. Oh, it seems like it'd be the perfect size for right under the roost bars in our charming coops. Yes, yes. We also got an Orglamix Rollerball perfume, and the scent is Summer Pasture, and I did actually use it the other day, and it smells really good. I don't normally put perfume on, um, but I felt like being just a tad fancy and wanted to smell pretty, so I put some on, and it's really good. And that is an exclusive scent for Honey and Rue, so this box was the only place where you could get that. Yeah, I really liked that scent, too. I'm not, because I'm not leaving the house, I definitely don't put deodorant on. Um, Just, like, deal with deodorant most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, the other thing that we got that I really liked, too, was the hen print hair tie. Um, Because, of course, when it's hot out, you probably want to pull your hair up. And it's cute, and it's one that you can wear around your wrist. And it looks like a bracelet, but it's also for your hair. Perfect. Perfect. And every box comes with a nesting box liner. And I actually use those in my coops. Absolutely love them. And eco-friendly packaging. Hooray. Hooray. So if you want to get in on the September Honey and Rue box, make sure what? you go to <laughs> Honey and Rue. Dot com and use code drink and farm to get 10% off your first box. I know saying September is super weird. It is. It's super weird. But I did make pumpkin pancakes this morning for brunch. So I oh. suppose tis the season. <laughs> well, don't tell my husband and he won't know because he doesn't listen. Um, I ordered a bunch of Halloween stuff from Kohl's. <laughs> It's perfect because he's working on Saturday. So the last thing shows up on Saturday. He won't know because I'm hiding it in my office. But I have all kinds of stuff because I'm always like, yeah, I'm going to get some new Halloween stuff. And then it's I never do. So I just like went ahead and ordered some cool stuff and some cool kitchen towels. Um, and then I also ordered a bunch of soap from Bath and Body Works that is all <laughs> like seasonal. 
Um, and like Halloween and fall and pumpkin and basic bitchness all over the place. So I am ready. I am here for pumpkin spice season. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, now let's get into our episode. And I'm super excited for today's episode because we're going to talk about disbudding our new babies and milk stand training, which is super fun. So fun. So fun. You can tell by <laughs> the, the sarcasm how fun dripping. it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll start with my disbedding. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah. I think yours was hopefully a little less traumatic than mine. Yes. Yes. Okay. For the most part, disbedding is pretty easy, even though it is every goat keeper's least favorite day mm-hmm. i think is this one of them day. Yeah. yeah it's one of the least favorite days for sure but uh i'm really lucky the person that i'm bringing the does to for breeding currently because i don't have my own buck is disbudding the babies for me i'm paying her um but uh and as she's disbudding them she's showing me how she does it so like i'll get to learn watching two of these get disbudded we've already gotten one disbudded the other one isn't quite ready yet and one of them's pulled so she's not gonna need to be disbudded lucky her uh and over the next couple of uh kiddings i'll still have her do it and then eventually what i'll probably do is do it while they're watching and then i'll feel comfortable doing it myself because there is like a definite method to it and Mm -hmm. you want to be pretty comfortable with it uh because if you don't disbud enough you end up with lots of nasty skurs and i have a goat with skurs it's no fun Mm-hmm. And that happens, too, if it's not disbudded at the right time. Like, if you disbud too early or too late, you can get a bunch of skurs. Uh, and also, there's, like, a really small chance of this. But if you disbud for too long, you can cause some issues with the brain, uh, which would be mm-hmm. super sad. And you don't want to do it. So it's a pretty serious thing. But once you know how to do it, it's something that every goat keeper is capable of doing if they want to do it. <laughs> If they want to do it themselves. Yeah. I will never. I shouldn't say I will never, but I won't. (laughs) Unless I get in a situation (laughs) where I have like a hundred goats and I breed them all at once. Like I will pay the money to take them to the vet. And luckily my vet's only like 10 minutes away and does it. And it usually costs, like I took three this week and it was $81. And they got their CD&T. Um, which is a great way to do it the first time. Make sure they don't have a nasty reaction to it. Yeah, because the vet will have epinephrine on hand right. if they do right. have a reaction. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Uh, we're so far from a vet that like we have to learn how to do pretty much everything ourselves here (laughs) if we want right yeah if we want to do it that's pretty much what we have to do but I just keep telling myself uh that I'm capable of these like hard and scary things and that seems to be working pretty well which feels pretty good good the way that um they disbud their baby goats was a little different though than what I've seen on the internet. So I just wanted to talk about it really briefly because I know um like a lot of people build those kid boxes to put them in. Mm-hmm. Um, but they actually don't do that. They have one person hold the baby goat forward and then use one of their hands to hold their ears back. 
and what that allows them to do is they're looking down at the top of the kid's head and blowing the smoke away uh, while the other person is doing the disbudding so that, that person can just concentrate on that and the counting and not have to worry about, you know, like the smoke getting in their face or in their eyes or anything, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, that seems pretty risky to me, though, unless you're you have somebody super confident that's helping with that because it's it's kind of gut-wrenching to watch. So, yeah, that's interesting. I've never seen that before. Yeah. Um, well, they have like a huge goat farm. I don't know how many goats they have, but they have a lot. Mm. So they've done like they're tons professionals. of them. <laughs> yeah, they're like pro at it. So and and it, like she explains like why she did it that way. She's like, yeah, we do this so that we can like hold them because then we like get to like kind of comfort them. But also we're helping the other person like only mm-hmm. have to concentrate on those two things instead of having to concentrate on a bunch of things. I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and one of the other things that they did that was different too, um, is they spray lidocaine on it after it's all done. Cause the lidocaine kind of numbs and like cools the area, but they did tell me this story. That's kind of funny since I know that nobody ended up getting hurt after it, but, uh, someone was doing a disbudding demonstration at like a goat show that they were at and they had done one of the disbuddings and then sprayed the lidocaine and then did the other one. But lidocaine is flammable. So the poor baby goat's head, like, lit on fire very briefly. (laughs) And they were like, everyone in the crowd, like, didn't know what to do. They were like, (gasps) but they got it out really fast. So they were like, if you're going to use lidocaine, just wait until the end. Do it after both of them have been done. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense because it's in an aerosol can. And it, like, warns you, like, how flammable and stuff it is. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, good to know. (laughs) Yeah. My vet injects lidocaine into, like, around the areas uh, before they do anything. So they numb them up and let them sit for a couple minutes before they even do it. Oh, But obviously a vet probably has access to things that a normal person wouldn't. You know, yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think they accidentally like baby goats on fire for that reason. Yeah, no. <laughs> but hey, that is one of those situations where you learn from somebody else what not to do. <laughs> and thank God no baby goats were hurt. <laughs> and it's important to know that, like, you know, when you're doing something new for the first time, like, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be, like, some mistakes made. You're going to learn from those processes. And sometimes they're hard to learn from. But, like, you you get something out of just about every situation that you end up going into, for sure. (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, what's really nice is that the baby goats really bounce back from disbudding um, pretty well. As long as everything goes right, like Bodhi was totally himself after about an hour. Um, and he's been doing fine ever since. He did break his one of his disbudding sites open the other day, though. It was his own damn fault. He decided <laughs> to challenge one of the big goats to a headbutt <laughs> competition. And I was like, dude, I don't think that's a great idea. But he didn't listen to me and he did it anyways. And Sky nailed him right mm. on the top of the head. And he like shook his head and got back up and then ran around. And of course, it's like bleeding from that little disbudding site. And I was like, ah. So I have the lidocaine spray out 
cleaned it up really good and sprayed it just to make sure he didn't get an infection or that it didn't hurt, but he seemed fine. So, hmm. yeah. Sometimes they just pop off, too. So, like, sometimes they don't even have to do very much for that to happen. But he seems like a very bold individual to take on an adult goat at, like, two weeks old. <laughs> right? I know. I can't believe that. Like, when he was doing that, I was like, stop it. Don't do that. Total boy goat. <laughs> Sky's not very nice to the babies. I have to watch her. She hit mm-hmm. Spirit into the side of the um, little goat shed yesterday. And I was actually really mm-hmm. mad at her for it because I was trying to pick Spirit up. And I don't know. She just, like, got annoyed about it. And so she tagged me in the knee and got spirit in the th- in mm. the side of the shed at the same time. So it like hurt. So it hurt me. And I was like, oh, poor spirit. Like that probably hurt you. She's like the tiniest little thing ever. But she they're made out of rubber. She seemed like she was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mama goats are mean to each other's babies. Oh, OK. So that's normal. I, I I think either that or we just have some bitchy goats. I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, they are pretty spoiled goats, so. Like, what are these cute little things competing for my attention? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. So how did your disbudding go? I know that you had an adventure yeah. in disbudding yeah, this time. So we've disbudded maybe like... Mm, around 20 goats. And when I say we, I mean, I've experienced it at various levels. So I've had it where the breeder came out and did it. I've had it quite a few times where we took them to the vet. Never had an issue. Maybe a little like bust open, but nothing crazy. Um, And I'm going to state some assumptions when I'm talking about what I think happened. But I took the three goats to the vet on Monday to get disputed. And it was a vet that I've had, my goats have been disputed with by her like once before. Um, and it went fine. Um, and she had a helper with her. And in hindsight, I think it was an intern. Oh. But she called her Dr. So-and-so. Uh, so I was thinking, oh, but I'm thinking it was an intern now that I'm really thinking about it. Um, and it took like a half hour for all three to get everything done and that's kind of long normally it's like five minutes each goat because you got the lidocaine the cdnt like they get their haircuts all that fun stuff but it took a long time so what i think might have happened was um baby tango was done by the main vet because he had zero issues and then the other one did the other two and maybe she wasn't so experienced that's my assumption but because of covid i couldn't go back there (laughs) so Um, I just waited out by the car, uh, and they didn't, they brought all three back to me at once. I didn't get them back one at the, one at a time or anything. So I, that's why I said I'm making assumptions. That's why I can't be mad at anybody in particular, because I don't know what happened. Um, all three of the goats were a little raspy when I took them too. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't sure if it was like allergy related or just dust in the barn, But they were all a little raspy, so I had her listen to them. And she's like, well, I'll give you, like, three doses of Draxin. Like, it's good for four days. Um, And Draxin's a pretty powerful antibiotic. And so she sent me home with that. She didn't give it to them. I don't think she checked their temps or anything, which is fine. I can do that myself. Um, But I wasn't overly concerned. So Foxtrot started bleeding before we even left the vet. Like, she took him, brought him back to the car, and his head was bleeding so she took him back in and cauterized it a bit more 
And then on the drive home, he busted it open again. So I opened up the back of the car and it's like a little bit of a massacre back there. Um, but I was able to have my, you know, Matt bring out a clean dish rag and she just told me if it busts open, just apply pressure. Um, and he was good after like five minutes, not a big deal. Um, so everybody was fine. The next morning, everybody was fine. Um, I checked everyone around noon and whiskey was on the ground and he looked like, I, I don't know if everybody's seen the movie Carrie and there's the prom yeah. scene where they dump the blood on her. Um, that's kind of what his head looked like. Um, so I went, oh shit, no, 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 no. And like ran in there, grabbed him, cleaned him up as best as I could. I had him like sitting in the sink in a towel and I'm like cleaning his head off. And a lot of it had already dried, but it was like over his eye and like had Mm. his eye sealed. So like I was trying to be very gentle, but kind of hurry up at the same time. Um, Then I took his temperature and he was 99.9 and normal goat temperature tends to be around between 101 and 103. Um, so I knew I had to get him warm before he got any colder. So I grabbed a heating blanket and like one of those Rubbermaid tubs and put them in there. And I had some towels going in the dryer so I could like drape them over the tub. Um, I gave him a shot of Draxin, which was the first injection I've ever given myself. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause Matt was at work. So you like yep. had to act. I yeah, had to. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm like covered in blood. And then after, like, I did all that, I had my freak out moment where I, like, started, like, hyperventilating a little bit and crying because yeah. I was like, huh. <laughs> um, and then I had to jump on a, on a call for work um, because, the, of course, these little buttholes don't do this when I was on PTO for three days over a long weekend. Right. Um, they do it my first day back. Um, so I was on that call for five minutes and then I was like. I'm just going to get off this call because I, I don't need to be here and I need to call the vet. So I called the vet, told her what was going on, that the dust budding site busted open. Like he sounded really raspy. His temp was super low. I guess I shouldn't say super low. It was concerning how where it was at to me. Um, and she said, well, as soon as the farm vet gets in, I will let him know and we'll have you bring him up. So like within two hours, I was able to take him up there. Um, before we went up to the appointment, I took whiskey back to Maya and he ate a little bit. Like we're talking like five seconds, which is not very long. Mm, Um, and then we went up to the vet and he gave him a combination of things to help with, um, just kind of make him a little stronger, perk him up. He had already gotten a Benamine the day before, um, which is basically like aspirin. Um, and he got a CD&T the day before, so he just gave him a few things. I can't even remember what they were, because I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, do what you think. Because this is the farm vet that I like. Um, not that I don't like the other one, but I just prefer him because I've he's done most of the stuff with our goats before. He's done, like, all the castration and everything, too. Um, so I just feel a little more comfortable with him. Um, and then we came home and he, I took him out to Maya. He, a tiny bit, like a, like another five seconds. And then I brought him into the house. Um, like later in the evening, like around seven, I took him back to Maya, but he was just doing this thing where he was like standing there and staring no matter like how close I moved him to Maya, he'd just stand there. And Maya was like, whatever, I'm living my best life. I just want to go outside. Like, 
screw this baby. I don't care. I was getting so mad at her. Oh, yeah. I was like, damn it, feed your baby. And the other two kids are just like jumping around and being crazy. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just leave them out here for a little bit. And I got the webcam. Maybe her seeing me is like not letting her focus. Um, So like I left them in there with the barn cam on. But like his brothers were jumping on him and stuff. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to (laughs) work. Yeah. So I just brought him inside. So he got to spend the night inside. Um, And because of how stressed I was, like... I knew that I could not milk Maya to get milk out of her to bottle feed him with. Yeah, because, you don't want to milk while you're stressed. If right. You're still and learning. she was she was already pissing me off, which it really wasn't even her fault. I was like projecting my own yeah. feelings onto her. She probably actually knew what was best for him and that he shouldn't be eating right that second. Oh, yeah, possibly. My, my fear was that she was like re- kind of rejecting him because she knew he was going to die. Yeah. So, um, he didn't really want to eat when I bottle fed him. Um, I gave him, what I did was I mixed, mixed half milk replacer. So milk replacer with water with half whole milk. That's what we've done for all of our bottle babies before. Um, we've never had issues with scours or anything like that with that mix. Um, he didn't want to eat though. So I tried again at 10 PM and I put molasses on the bottle nipple and that, work to an extent the nice thing about Pritchard nipples is like when you hold them up like the milk just kind of comes out even without them really having to suck but it's like just a little bit so I knew he was kind of getting something but he wasn't like sucking on it at all um he I tried again at 2 a.m and he did more chewing on the bottle this time so I know he got even more food because he was at least chewing on it um And then at 6 a.m. I went in there and he was standing up in his little Rubbermaid tub and his ears were perked up. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I was fully expecting to walk in on a dead goat. I I didn't think he was going to make it through the night. And I got like a total of like three hours of decent sleep because I was just worried. And I'd have like moments where I just cry because I didn't know what to do. And I just felt so bad because literally it was like, okay, we've already done everything we could do. He's gotten his medicine. Um, We're trying to feed them. Sometimes you just got to wait and just have faith that it's going to work out. (laughs) But it's like super hard as someone that's a control freak to just wait. Like it because it doesn't feel productive. But luckily he was just he kind of perked up. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take you out to mama. And I sat him down on the ground and he went straight for and he ate. He like ate for what felt like two minutes straight. And I was like, oh, thank God. That's so good. Yeah. So I was like, I'm okay. And he's kind of like bebopping around a little bit. So I'm like, I'm just going to leave you out here and check on you like every hour and stock the webcam. Um, And yeah, he's been eating ever since. And he's starting to get up and jump around on the ledges like his brother and sleeping with, you know, cuddled up next to them and stuff. So I knock on wood, think we're out of the woods. Um. I have a couple more doses of antibiotics just in case uh, he needs it because they'll wear off today, I believe, from the first dose. Um, But I'm fairly certain that he was either on his way to getting pneumonia or the very early stages of pneumonia. And the shock from busting his head open just escalated the issue. Um, Because we had this really weird weather swing the week before. It was like the 70s 
in the day and then it dropped down to like the 50s and then this week it's been up like 80s low 90s and drops down to like 50 60 at night so i think the up down up down might have caused some issues for him um that's my guess i i won't know for sure that totally makes sense well and you know like so his disbudding was just a tad dramatic so maybe yeah. that dropped his immune system just right. a little bit. And if there was any hint of having an issue and then his immune system dropped just a little bit, it like gave it enough to foothold, mm-hmm. you know. So that's totally possible. I mean, and it's hard to control everything in a barn. <laughs> like, right. You know right. what I mean? It's uh, it's a barn. <laughs> right. It's dusty in there. Yeah. And Maya likes to make a mess out of her hay and the hay's dusty. Yeah. And they're jumping around on it. And they're so small and low to the ground. So, yep. it, you know. It <laughs> but he sounded like he had so much fluid in his lungs. And he just, like, randomly lift his head up and just yell. And it was like, oh, it was the worst. It was the worst. But um, it just makes me realize, like, I need to be a little bit more prepared with my uh, medicine kit. And different kinds of needles um, to do certain things with. So, you know, I'm going to kind of beef up some of my um, first aid stock and just be a little more prepared if something like that happens. I mean, my default is probably personally just going to be to go to the vet because I'm lucky. But if it's, you know, Sunday and it's just on call and the vet can't come for four hours, like I need to be able to have stuff on hand too. Yeah, for sure. It it makes sense too. And always remind yourself like when you found a goat that looked like it had been carried, like you did just fine. You did a great job. Mm-hmm. You cleaned him up really fast. You got him the warmth that he needed. You had enough going on in your mind that you were like, oh, I need to check his temperature and make sure, you know, that he's good there. And when he wasn't, you knew exactly what to do. And you remembered that you had an antibiotic and you totally gave the shot, even though you had never done that before. (laughs) So, I mean, give yourself a good pat on the back and remind yourself of that. Like you did a great job. Thanks. Yeah, and if I don't have to take a goat temperature for at least a couple months, that'd be great. Because I probably, poor thing, took his temperature like 12 times within (laughs) within 12 hours. (laughs) Poor Tonks. Tonks, like, runs sometimes when she sees me because I took her temperature (laughs) twice a day, every day for the first, like, five days after she had those babies and retained that placenta. So I'm, like, pro at goat temperature taking now. (laughs) Yeah. I specifically bought ones that, like, only take three seconds to give temperature. I need one of those because I do not have one of those. So I have to hold a goat still and hold the thermometer in there at the same time, which is not very easy. And I can do it without her being on the milking stand, but it's tricky. (laughs) Yeah. No, invest in that level of temperature or thermometer. I think I might. Now that I have more goats, it's definitely worthwhile. (laughs) Yes. This episode is sponsored in part by Grubly Farms. Grubly Farms is now the official poultry feed and snack sponsor of the We Drink and We Farm Things podcast. Grubly Farms provides healthy, high-quality snacks and feeds for your feathered friends. Grubly Layer Feed is free of fish, corn, and soy and is made with non-GMO ingredients. 
Grubbly's snacks have 50 times more calcium than mealworms, promoting stronger eggshells and flashier feathers. And one of our favorite things about Grubbly Farms is that they will ship all of this right to your door. Not only is that super convenient, but the shipping is free. They also have an option for you to subscribe so you never run out of Grubbly's or feed. And when you subscribe, you save 10% on your order every time. So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order. All right, now we get to talk about milking. Yay, hopefully this is a little less traumatic. Maybe a little funnier than what we just talked Uh, about. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, Maybe it didn't feel funny at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So... Here's the thing about, like, milking stands and teaching a goat how to stand still on a milking stand. Like, (laughs) it's really freaking hard. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and and now that we're kind of, like, over the biggest hurdle, which is, like, getting her to go up there voluntarily, Mm -hmm. I have the space to, like, step back and think about, well, like, why does she hate the milking stand so much? And... Yeah, it's because every time we use the milking stand, it's for something that she thinks is awful. Oh, yeah, because hoof trimming, vaccinations. Exactly. Or getting your temperature taken or any (laughs) other like invasive thing, you know, that you need her to stand still for. The milking stand is the default. And... You know, even though we've like filled the little bucket with treats and stuff, sometimes that stuff is like, I'm, I don't want to use the word traumatic, but it's just like worrisome enough to them that the treats aren't enough to like distract them until they get used to it. <laughs> yeah. So now that I've figured that out, like that's why she doesn't like the milking stand so much. I'm kind of reworking in my head like how to get everyone used to the milking stand a little earlier so they don't have to go through quite this Mm. big of a hurdle with every goat that I want to milk because that could get like really exhausting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Imagine having three goats that you need to milk but one of them needs to be trained on the milking stand like I'd be out there all morning. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I just don't have that kind of time. Thanks job. I mean, I like my job, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean. So, I mean, and I knew that like I should have started milk stand training her like a few weeks ago, like several weeks ago, probably months ago is more like it. But by the time I got around to like, oh, yeah, I have time to start working on this. I should really start doing that. She was so pregnant. I couldn't get her up there even with like help. Yeah, because she was just (laughs) so big. I was like, well, I don't want to hurt her getting on the milking stand because our milking stand is a tad different. I don't know. I think you built the same milking stand, didn't you? Um, I think it's pretty similar. So I got my milking stand plans from Fiasco Farms. Um, It's one of their free ones. I'll link to it in the show notes in case anybody else needs to build a milking stand. Um, But we did one thing just a little different. We made it at the right height for me to sit on a bucket and be able to milk without hunching my back over, Mm. which was like really important because when we built the milking stand, it was like pretty soon after our car accident and I like barely Mm. walk let alone think about like hunching over a milking stand so our milking stand is really tall like really tall (laughs) (laughs) when I'm standing next to it um the 
the platform is like just below my hip. So it's like a good it's like a good hike up there. And normally, like under normal circumstances, they can jump that high. So they just like totally jump up there. But with an udder full of milk, they totally don't. So I need to build like stairs or something for it eventually. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did find a solution. I put a straw bale up against the back of it so that it's like a step up. So I get them to walk on the straw bale and then they put their hooves on the on the stand and then they like hoist themselves up the rest of the way. So it seems to be working pretty well unless they really, really don't want to go. But I needed to figure out how to do this by myself because normally on hoof trimming day and vaccination day and stuff jared helps me he'll like he'll be brushing them while i'm trimming hooves just so they're not kicking the crap out of me because that's what my goats do they like shake their hoof Mm -hmm. really really hard every single time but i'm like i can't have jared out here helping me put these goats on the stand every single time i need to milk right so i started using we have like a a halter Uh, like a goat halter. I got one of them from TSC. It's a little big, but it still seems to be working. So that way I'm not pulling on their necks. I'm just, you know, pulling on their heads to pull forward. And I Mm -hmm. use one arm and pull forward towards the head gate. And then I put the other arm like back behind their rear end, like up in my, oh, I wish I knew the name of bones. You know, that big bone that's between your shoulder and your elbow. What's that called? The tibia? Yes, the tibia. No, the tibia is is your... It, the tibia leg. is the other one. <laughs> you guys know what we mean. Yeah, it's that arm bone between the elbow yeah. and the shoulder. <laughs> connected to the shoulder bone. Shoulder bones connected to the whatever. I've had beer. <laughs> I'm just drinking four shots of espresso. I have no excuse. You're just like, <laughs> and I'm like, just like, beer. <laughs> wound up. I use that because it's a bigger bone and it's a little stronger. I just like push that up against their rear end. And something about it, like it's enough that they just like want to jump up so while I'm pulling I'm just pushing on the back of them and they jump up and I don't have to like lift or hoist or like hurt myself or anything and that's worked really well and I actually did that with all four of the goats over the weekend and I was like yes I can do goat things all by myself now yay (laughs) (laughs) and my husband was probably doing that too he's like yes she can do goat things all by herself which means I don't have to help with them So those are just like some tips if somebody is like wondering like how do I even get started with talking my goats into getting up here like it really you think that it's easy because you watch people do it on YouTube all the time and some people's goats just like go right up there because they're motivated by whatever the snacky thing is inside Mm -hmm. the tub and they've gone up there enough that they know it's going to be something awesome so they just like go but like you had to get to that point before they Mm -hmm. started doing that. So I have made it so that the milking stand is the only place where anyone gets any sweet feed at all. Oh, that's smart. So now, like, I think it's starting to click just a little bit. Like, even the goats that aren't milking, I gave them a little bit of sweet feed too in it so that they'd be like, oh, wait, this is where the good stuff is at. And, (laughs) you know, it'll probably be several trips into the milking stand before I get everybody to kind of, like, get on that page. But... Once I do, I think this is going to be a whole lot easier. And like even Tonks this morning, I mean, today was day three of our milking. She got up there after 
just like the slightest of coaxing. Like I gave her a marshmallow and then I gave her another piece of marshmallow and I put my arm behind her butt and she just like hopped right up. Like it didn't even have to yank on her or anything, which was <laughs> awesome because I hate doing that. Like, yeah, I don't like being forceful with them, but like you have to you have to be firm, but kind. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, when you want them or need them to do stuff, you get frustrated and then you project that frustration onto them. But she's just a goat. She doesn't know what, what she did that made you frustrated. <laughs> yeah. So if you can, like, get them to want to do the thing that you want them to do, it definitely makes it just a little bit easier. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, goats, free will, you know. <laughs> marshmallows. That's the trick. Marshmallows <laughs> is the trick. I'm, bu- I'm buying a big old bag of those teeny tiny marshmallows. I've been kind of giving her big marshmallows, <laughs> but that might be a little too much for the rumen. <laughs> Goat diabetes. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that. She's a little skinny, no. though, so I'm sure she doesn't mind the extra calories. Yeah. So I'm really excited, though, because we actually are milking, which Yay. feels like a really huge milestone. Um, a couple of things about, like, the actual milking when you're milking the first time. Like, you're not going to get any milk the first time. Or at least I didn't get any milk the first time. I can't project what happened to me onto everybody else. But <laughs> set the expectations low. That way you're not sad if you don't get any milk the first time. Because what happened the first time was I did figure out how to get milk to come out. It's a little tricky. It's like a, you know, it's a movement of the hands. I don't know exactly yes. how to describe it, but it's squeezing downwards, not pulling. That's the best words Mm -hmm. I can think of to describe it. So I did get milk to come out out of both teats the first time. Um, But she was super dancey and she like knocked it over. I mean. Which is sad. It's sad. But I I had set the expectation that I wasn't going to get any milk the first time. Because I was like, you know how I'm going to stop myself from getting frustrated about this? I'm just not going to expect anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that really, like, helped keep my emotions in check, you know, while I was Mm -hmm. in the middle of it. And the very first time, like, I was just trying to figure out, like, well, what things set her off and what things make her stand still? So I discovered on our first milking that if I just milk with one hand but put the other one just, like, gently behind her udder, she stands still for at least a little bit. So I was like, okay, I can milk one-handed while she gets more comfortable with this and that Mm -hmm. should help and I figured out that when I just took too long in general like her threshold is about 15 minutes on the milking stand after that (laughs) she's just like not having it she's like I've run out of grain I'm done you are squeezing on my teats (laughs) (laughs) I, have I want enough to of go this. outside. <laughs> yes, I want my babies. I need to feed them because you're terrible at removing this milk and I'm feeling a little engorged right now. So yeah, f- 15 minutes is is our max right now. So it was good to get that though because that really helped with day two because I was like, all right, so she knocked my taller thing over. So let's go with a shorter vessel this time. Uh, She stood still when I had a hand behind her. So how about I do one side for just a few minutes and then I switch sides and switch hands and do the other side. So that way I can get both sides because I need to make sure that I'm milking kind of evenly and that I'm getting her used to me milking out both sides. And on day two, we actually did get some milk. It was just a tiny bit. It was like an eighth of a cup, if that. But 
we filtered it, chilled it. Everyone in the house got to drink some. And Jared and I liked it. We th- it tastes fine. It tastes exactly like regular milk to me. Both of the kids oh. said it was weird, but, you know, they're kids. <laughs> it's hard not to think, oh, this is from a different animal. It's going to taste different and then not have it influence what you're experiencing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we also, like, we eat with our brains just as much as we do our eyes and all of our other senses. So it totally makes sense that they thought it was weird. Uh, And then today was day three. I used the things that I learned from the first two days, and we got twice as much milk as we did the day before. So I got like about a quarter cup, and I used it inside my quadruple espresso (laughs) beverage for today. So no one else got any milk. I got all the milk today, but I worked really hard for that milk, so I don't feel bad. (laughs) And we're just going to keep going from there. Eventually, I'll be milking like those ladies on YouTube do, like super efficiently. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's going to take time. um, And I know that and I understand that. And being patient with her, being patient with myself, not crying over spilled goat's milk, like all of that (laughs) is going to get us there eventually. So hmm. do you have any plans to milk Maya? Um, I've thought about it. I bought the stuff to do it. Um, I mean, I don't have like a strainer, but I could, that wouldn't be hard to get. Um, oh yeah. I got mine for 15 bucks off of Amazon. Yeah. I'm going to have to do that. Um, but like I, my intention was to start doing it around the two week mark, which two weeks is today. So Friday the 14th. Um, but like after the week I have had, um, I'm just going to take a hard pass on that for a couple more days. (laughs) But I would like to um, just to kind of get a feel for it and, you know, have something to put in my coffee, too. I mean, that'd be kind of nice. So probably in a couple weeks. um, She does like her udder is ridiculous. Like it's huge. Like you can tell she comes from great wines. Um, And the boys eat a lot, but she still has plenty to share. (laughs) So, um, I'll probably do like a once a day thing, but I'm, I'm going to hang on. Maybe I'll try on Monday because Matt will be home from work and I'll probably want his help for the first time. Um, I mean, I've done that with Diana before, but not with Maya, uh, just to have his support. Um, and if she like kicks me and I like fall down on the ground or something like he's there to help, um, which is really dramatic. She's not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But we did what we did hoof trims and um, fun matcha chocks and all that fun stuff last weekend. And we were able to convince her to get on the milk stand pretty much by herself. Um, she got her front end up because we had treats. And I think my goats like that they get to eat in the milk stand and no, they don't have to share. So that's oh. pretty good motivation for them. And sometimes animal crackers are involved. Yeah. Um, because when we do any kind of worming or anything like that, they get probiotics too. And we just put all that on an animal cracker for them. Um, so she's already kind of accustomed to trying to get up there and me just kind of helping her a little bit. Um, so it might not be that bad. I do have my stainless steel little pail. Um, and I do have the utter wash type stuff. And I do have bag bomb. So it's like I have most of the things I would need. But Good. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm just not trying to put too much pressure on myself. And this week was really stressful. So I'm trying to take a breather before I dive into something else new that I get to be proud 
of myself about. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, everything was really stressful for at least one of the little goat babies. Yeah. So it makes sense not to try to separate him from mom overnight right now or however right. you're going to end up doing it to do your once a day milking. I'm separating overnight right now. And it was super stressful for everybody the first night. They're starting to get kind of used to it. But if one had been ill or not feeling well, I would have never done that because yeah. you don't want to add to the stress while they're trying to get better. So Right. Yep. And right now everybody's in their own separate pen and she just gets really focused on wanting to be outside the pen and go power eat some grass. That's what she likes to do. So I'll let her out for like an hour at a time right now. Um, And then she goes back in and then I'll let her out later. Um, So it might be a situation where she gets her breakfast, they get their breakfast, and then she gets to go out and hang out in the pasture all day and... It's like she gets to go to work and be away from the kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and then we'll milk her and then she'll go back in for the night. But anyways, now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Woohoo! Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll let you go first today. All right. I give so... you my permission. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the honor of going first. Um. My article is from uh, foxnews.com from August 1st, and the title of the article is Impatient Pet Cow Moves Loudly at Farmer's Window Every Day for Morning Hug. Oh my gosh, that's adorable. Mm -hmm. And the, the, (laughs) the the subtitle says, don't talk to Jenna the cow before she's had her morning cuddle. Oh. And uh, basically, Jenna the dairy cow was destined to be killed because she was born infertile and was unable to produce milk. But at just three days old, she was taken in by Ryan Phillips, 42, and Mallory Sherman, 34, who return who run a not-for-profit farmyard sanctuary. Phillips nursed and cared for her, building up a strong bond. So Jenna gets very impatient if she doesn't get to greet him first thing in the morning. She makes a beeline for the kitchen window and moves loudly until he comes to say good morning. An adorable video shows this morning routine. So you guys will link to this in the uh, show notes and you got to go watch it. Um, Phillips says, Jenna treats me like I'm her best friend and saw me like I was her mom when she was little because I brought and fed her bottles. And he also says she'd knock me in the belly to attempt to make more milk come out. <laughs> Which if you guys have had you know, like baby goats do yeah. that to your leg or something. Yep. Yeah. But could you imagine like a calf doing oh that? My Just like socking you right in the stomach. Gosh. Oh my gosh, that would hurt. Yeah. Anytime I crouch down on the ground, they come up behind me and like start headbutting my butt. And I'm like, you're not going to get anything out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a, other cute uh, things in the article, too, but I'll let you guys read those while you watch the video, too. But it's pretty adorable. I just thought that was super cute and heartwarming. And I don't know. I think it'd be kind of funny to have a cow come up to your window and just moo at you every morning. But it might get a little annoying at the same time, especially if you wanted to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so what can't you even about this week, Bev? So mine is not farming related, but it is related to where I grew up. So I felt Uh like it was relevant. Let's hear it. So mine is from Atlas Obscura, and it's the art and science of falling in love with Joshua trees. And if you don't know what Joshua trees are, Joshua trees are like those 
really kind of like strange alien looking trees that have like limbs that stick out all over the place. But at the end of the limbs is like a yucca plant. It's like lots and lots of spikes. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. And these trees are really special because they only grow in the Mojave Desert. And the Mojave Desert is only in one place. And that happens to stretch from part of Southern California, a tiny, tiny bit of Arizona, and a little bit of Nevada. So there's like this tiny like tri-state area where they grow. And Joshua Tree National Park happens to be in there. But what I can't even about is that there's this biologist and she built a website called Hey J Tree, and it's like a dating site, but it matches you with a charismatic, threatened Joshua Tree. What? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> it is, right? The article kind of talks about how people like to like anthropomorphize things, which is when you give human characteristics to things that aren't humans, toasters or car headlights or trees even. So that's basically what she's done. And she did it to kind of just, um, I guess, bring some awareness, you know, like to the Joshua trees. Uh, Because Joshua trees are kind of special. Not a whole lot of people have gotten to see them unless you've traveled to this specific part of Southern California. You've never seen them in person. Uh, And they're extremely endangered. And something has been kind of happening to that region that's made it a little drier. And the seedling Joshua trees aren't uh, surviving into adulthood anymore. So a lot of the older mm. Joshua trees are getting really like raggedy looking. I noticed that the last time I was there, I thought these don't look as pretty as I remember them being. But some of that might have just been because I was a child and things are so magical when you're a child. Like there's just no getting around that. But it is also because a lot of the younger trees aren't surviving. So like new ones aren't growing up to replace some of the older ones. And they take like hundreds of years to grow. So that's why she wanted to bring more awareness to these Joshua trees because they're kind of special. They're super endangered and they're not doing so great right now. So Mm. I couldn't even about that. I loved it. I love Joshua trees. I'm a huge (laughs) fan of them. (laughs) I Googled it and they're kind of like a dorky looking tree. Yeah, they are pretty dorky looking. They're kind of like cute, but Mm -hmm. dorky. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I had those in my yard, like every house I've ever lived in from the time I was like four until I moved away. So So I could see why that's sentimental. Mm -hmm. It is. It's quite Mm -hmm. sentimental. All right. Make sure you send us your can't evens in the Facebook group. And if you do that in the Facebook group, just use the hashtag can't even when you do that. Um, you can also send them to us via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com because we'd like to talk about those on our mini-sodes. Yes, and be sure and leave us a review because we read one Apple Podcast review per a week on the podcast. We're going to read you one right now and the people whose reviews we read, we stick your names in a hat and one of you is going to win a really cool exclusive coffee mug, which we totally love. And everyone that's won one has loved them. They've told us on Instagram, so I'm not making that up. (laughs) And this week's review is from uh, Caitlin, who is the podcast host of the Rural Woman Podcast. Thank you. I, I wanted to say Wild Rose Farmer Podcast, but that is not right. 
her Instagram handle is Wild Rose Farmer. And then I like drew a blank and I was like, oh, maybe I need to switch back to coffee and stop drinking beer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can see why you made that mistake. It is hard because sometimes I'll go to tag her in something on Instagram and I go to tag the Rural Woman Podcast. And I'm like, wait, no, no, no. her Instagram handle is Wild Rose Farmer. So... But yes, her review reads, Big smiles always. Bev and Sam do an amazing job of leaving me with a big smile on my face nearly every episode. Their humor and approach of not taking farming so seriously all the time is a breath of fresh air in the ag community. Cheers, friends. Caitlin. I love that so much. Yes, thank you. I like being a breath of fresh air in a big community that loves the smell of manure (laughs) that's right (laughs) i mean it smells like home to me when i smell cow manure so i can't be the only one oh yeah no it smells like home to me now too that i have a cow oh now that you have a cow yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) thanks so much for leaving us a review caitlin we absolutely love it yes all right uh, just a few housekeeping items um, and a reminder that this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. If you're not a Patreon peep, yep, go to patreon.com slash drink and farm. We have all kinds of fun things up there and you can support us at various levels, but just starting out at $2 a month gets you access to those outtakes. Um, we are finalizing our gifts that are going to go out in September for people at the $5 amount or above so if you want to get on uh, in on that um i'm gonna say i'm not i'll give a little hint the uh i think these gifts are pretty cool and that's all i'll say so i think this is the coolest thing that i think so too yeah like literally and figuratively like in the value you're gonna get if you're just a five dollar patron, yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> so if you're not doing that yet and you you're curious what the gift is gonna be, um, sign up to do that before September, and then we will send those out probably in like mid September. We gotta we're waiting to get them, and we mm-hmm. just finalized it today. So sign up if you're not already. They have been ordered. Yes. <laughs> And Drink and Farm has a phone number. It's 401-426-3276, which is 401-426-FARM. You can leave us a voicemail, send us a text message, tell us your can't even, tell us your farm story, ask us a question. You get to use that however you want. Some dude named John just left us a message that said, hi, I'm John. And that was it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm serious. How did I miss that? <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, hi, John. Okay. Cool. <laughs> How weird. Oh, he texted. He texted. Oh, is that us. what it was? It How was a text. How weird. Okay. <laughs> hi, my name is John. Oh, yeah. I kind of want to text him back. <laughs> yeah. Say hi. My name is Sam. <laughs> I saw it come through as an email, so I didn't listen to it. So I didn't know what it was, but I just thought it was a voicemail because we get like that. Uh, what is it? Speech to text thing on it. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> And make sure you hit that subscribe button and download the episode when you listen. This helps more people like you find us. And share the Instagram post for this episode and tag us in your stories. And we'll send you a coupon code that's good just for this episode to give you a discount off in our shop. And you want that because we have our super awesome Joy Farmer merch, which I'm just totally in love with. Yes. So make sure you look at our show notes to find the links to our merch shop, the articles we talked about in our can't evens. And there's even an anonymous survey 
that you guys can go fill out to tell us how we're doing. So check those show notes out when you're done listening. So that's it, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed our stories. We hope you laughed. Maybe you cried. (laughs) Maybe you learned something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we hope you we always hope you learn a little bit something too. So until next time, drink, farm, and and give give zero clucks. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things. We drink and farm things.